Welcome to the Latitude Podcast, where we dive deep into conversations with founders, funders, operators, and investors. We're 43 North, a startup accelerator based in Buffalo, New York, that invests $5 million per year in high growth companies. Since 2014, 43 North has grown its portfolio to over 60 companies with multiple exits. We're excited to bring you the perspective of a growing startup ecosystem through chats with founders and funders within our portfolio and across the globe. Welcome everybody to this episode. Um, today's guest, really excited to be joined by Brett Broll, who is a managing partner of Bread and Butter Ventures based in Minneapolis. Um, us here at 43 North are very grateful to Bread and Butter Ventures that they've invested in 43 North portfolio companies such as Big Wheelbarrow, Shearshare, and Otrify. And we're excited to have you join us today, Brett. So, so glad you could be here. Um, why don't why don't we just kick it off with tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, uh, I was an entrepreneur for a long time. So I was CEO of a couple of tech startups with uh, varying levels of success and or failure. Um, I've raised venture capital. I bootstrapped some companies. And about eight years ago, I moved to the investing side of the world, um, both through Techstars and have worked and run multiple Techstars accelerator programs and with Bread and Butter Ventures, where I'm one of the managing partners. So I've uh, been on both sides of the spectrum when it comes to venture-backed startups. Amazing. And could you tell us a little bit more about um, Bread and Butter Ventures, like what your specific focus is, what you're looking for in companies? Yeah, Bread and Butter Ventures, we're a seed stage uh, venture capital fund that invests uh, really anywhere in the United States. We do have a couple of investments outside of the U.S. as well. Um, and we invest in food tech, health tech, and enterprise SaaS. I lead our food tech practice. Um, it's you know, software, tech-enabled hardware, uh, biotech. So we're not investing in consumer products um, or ag inputs. And, and our health tech practice is really digital health. We don't do pharma. We don't do med device. And then enterprise SaaS, a, a couple of focus areas in the enterprise SaaS space. I love stuff that's unsexy, like manufacturing and supply chain. My partner, Mary, leads um, uh, our health tech practice. She's really interested in the future of work things on the enterprise SaaS side, but we're open to it. What we're really trying to do is, you know, in Minnesota, we have a lot of major enterprises that are focused on health and food. And so we leverage the local strengths that we have here in Minnesota to add value to our portfolio companies and also to the fund. And so that's, that, that's why we picked those three verticals and why we've built some expertise around those three spaces. That's awesome to hear. Um, it's really cool, like how you mentioned that you're kind of leaning into the strengths of your city and your state and what is ex in existence there already. Um, we talked about this a little bit the other day. We had a conversation, but I'm curious for our listeners, like as you've seen when you visited 43 North in Buffalo, we're more of an emerging tech hub, probably a few years behind where Minneapolis is at the moment. Um, I'm curious the advice you would give to us here in Buffalo and at 43 North, kind of your, what I wish I knew then um, before, before you reached this point with the city and the tech hub you're in right now. I guess the first thing I would say is that stick with it. Um, you know, the continue to do it. Entrepreneurship is incredibly important and vital to any ecosystem. Um, it's, it's how new things are created. The, if you look at the trends of how long companies last on the Fortune 500 list, um, it has been split cut in half over the last 30 or 40 years. I don't know the exact time frame, but so the amount of time big companies stay big is getting shorter and shorter, which means that new companies that are being started today are going to be the Fortune 500 companies of the future. And so you don't do that unless you have a unless you have some intentionality behind it. So continue to be intentional around working to build 
a strong entrepreneurial ecosystem. That's very, very important. Um, then I do think it's something that, you know, we mentioned already is like, what does Buffalo have that's special? Like, what makes Buffalo special? What expertise do you have? Lean into that. If you try to be, especially I think if you're an emerging market, if you try to be everything to everyone, it's really difficult to get your name out there to stand out to be special. And so start with leaning into those couple of things that you're great at, that you have history around, that you have expertise around, and um, and really push towards those arenas in those areas. And I think that that'll help move you faster. It's like when you talk to a startup, if a startup's working on 17,000 different things at the same time, they just don't have the resources or the time and they're not going to be good at any of them. But if they focus on the one or two things that they're great at, they're going to make progress and they're going to have a chance to succeed. Wonderful. It's great advice. Um, what was your just, I guess, overall perspective of where Buffalo is at now and 43 North during your visit? I was really impressed by the companies that I had a chance to interact with and meet with at 43 North. So really high quality companies, really high quality startups, um, great founders, good ideas, super investable. So I think that that was, you know, some, sometimes you go and speak, you'll meet an incubator, accelerator, um, uh, you know, competition winners, and you don't, it's a mixed bag. You don't know what to get, what you're going to get with the startups. Um, and I was genuinely impressed with all of the founders and the companies that I had an opportunity to meet with. And so that was wonderful. Um, and like, like really made me feel good about the selection process that you all have and how you decide and how you choose what companies to invest in. From a city perspective, I was uh, actually like, I, I, this is my first time ever going to Buffalo. So I'd never been to Buffalo before. Um, and I, it was a bigger city than I expected. That was, uh, that was my, you know, when I, my expectations, I don't know what I had in my mind as far as how big of a city it would be. And like the downtown itself was, a uh, you know, there was bigger downtown. There was uh, more stuff going on. There was more activity than than what was in my mind. I was expecting a little bit smaller, uh, a little bit smaller city. So that was like my initial like impression of the Buffalo uh, startups that were going through the Forty Three North program and just Buffalo as a city in general. With the the picture I had versus the reality. Yeah, no, well, that's great to hear, and we're excited you got to try some chicken wings as well while you were here and missed the snow, which is really the two things people think of when they think of Buffalo outside of sports is. Oh, it's very warm. It's a very warm city. Um, right. You get to go to, you know, I was, I was nice to just get to a, an environment that was, you know, a little bit warm and, you know, you could take off a layer rather than, you know, what we have to do here. Yeah. That, that is our strong suit as some would <laughs> say. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so while you were here, you participated in a fireside chat in front of a little literal fireplace, which um, I know you were excited about. Um, you gave a really great presentation to some of our companies entitled 21 Ways to Kill Your Company, which I just love that title. It's so unique and I think just really speaks to, um, you know, your what's important to you as an investor looking at these companies. Um, so let's dive into a few of those. Um, first of all, you in talking about investors, you mentioned um, you've been on the cap table longer than the average marriage for some of these companies. So could you just speak to that a little bit more and just what founders should be thinking about when they're looking at bringing folks onto their cap table? Yeah. I think that founders forget that once you put somebody on your cap table, it's literally impossible to get them off unless they do something illegal or they want to come off your cap table. And so you are in when you invest at early stages like I do, seed stage, pre-seed, we don't have outcomes, successful outcomes for seven, eight, nine, ten years. On average, eight-ish years. You just don't. And so I'm on a cap table. The average marriage in the US lasts about seven and a half years right now, or last time I checked. 
Um, I'm on a cap table longer than that on average. I'm on a, I'm on a cap table for about eight years on average. And you wouldn't get married without really knowing the, or you're, hopefully you wouldn't get married without really knowing the person you're getting married to. And same thing. And so founders, you were so used to having diligence done on us as founders. We need to make sure that we're doing our diligence on the investors that you're going to bring. And I, you know, so that's the point of that comment that I make of the statement is do your diligence, understand who you're putting on your cap table, make sure that it's not just the money, that it's like a strong cultural fit that, you know, culture is super important within your organization. It's a strong cultural fit with your investors, your advisors, make sure that you have the same vision for your company. It, you know, there's not a wrong or uh, right on what your vision is. Maybe you want to, you know, build it to a $5 million company and then flip it two years later. Like that's okay. That can be life-changing money for an entrepreneur. That's not going to work for a venture institutional venture capital fund. And they're not going to be happy with that outcome. And if you know that right now, don't raise venture capital, you know, find different ways of financing. And so make sure that the vision for what you want to build and what you want to do is aligned. Cause that's where most of the issues uh, really start from between investors and startups is that the, there's a misalignment of culture or vision. That's, that's where it starts most of the time. And so just do your diligence on investors. The best way to do that is talk to other founders they've invested in. Great. Yeah, I think that's a really great point. And it can be hard, I'm sure, for founders when they're fundraising because it feels very, you know, us versus them. I imagine like, oh, I want this investor to like me and invest in me. And it, it, to your point, it really is a two-way street. Like you as the founder really want to make sure that that investor is going to be a good fit for you as well. Yeah, I would, I, I would say don't do it in the first meeting. Um, I mean, you know, don't do it in the first meeting. Just like you probably don't ask somebody to marry you on a first date. So don't do it in the first meeting, but certainly before um, you close or you accept a term sheet from them, that that's a great opportunity. When you're on meeting two, three, four, whenever, when you look further down the line, it seems real. That's when that's when you should ask. It's actually a good indicator of how serious they are about you as well. So if you ask, like on a meeting, third meeting, hey, South, it feels like we're getting close. I would love to talk to a couple of founders that you've invested in in the past. But if they know, then you're probably not as close as you might think. Wonderful. I want to go back to something you mentioned before, just about the culture fit. Um, I think that's really interesting, especially from a founder perspective, trying to build a company and then thinking about what is the culture of your company. Uh, what advice would you have for founders? Um, and is that something that's on the founder or how do you view kind of the culture of a company being built? Yeah, I mean, culture is super important. I, I was telling a story to the 43 North founders about my last startup where I made some really bad decisions around culture. And, and I don't know if it's what killed the company, but it certainly did. It, it, it played a huge role in killing that company that was not successful. And it's the CEO's job, number one, to create culture. Founders, all founders for sure. But people look to the CEO, people look to that title. And so, and culture doesn't just happen. You have to have intentionality behind creating the culture. And I want to be clear that Culture isn't like drinking a beer at four o'clock on a Friday and having a ping pong table in your start. Like that's not culture. Like that that can be a part of it, I guess. But culture is like you know in your interview process, it starts in your interview process, and you have it. You define your culture. This is our culture. This is what we are. This is our. This is how we work. This is when we work. This is how we take vacation. This is how we do this. This is how we do this. This is how we treat each other. This is how we talk to each other. Like how we report. Culture is all of those things um, and being very specific and intentional about it and making sure that everybody that comes to work for you or with you is comfortable with the way you work. And there's 
but also not a right or wrong. There's probably some wrong ways to build a culture. There's probably, there are poisonous and bad cultures for sure, but there's also multiple right cultures. And so you don't have to build the culture that you see on TV. Um, you don't have to build the standard, you know, I think what people think of like entrepreneurship culture, um, you have to build what works for you and what you're comfortable with. And there's multiple, right. There's also multiple wrong, but but it, there's not just like a one size fits all culture for every startup that's successful out there, but you have to be intentional behind it. It takes intentionality. Yeah. Um, how do you think that would fit in, I guess, as far as hiring? Um, so as you may remember, we have Forge Buffalo as part of 43 North, which is built to um, help our portfolio companies recruit um, 43 North as a New York state sponsored organization. We are all about job creation, especially in the Buffalo area. So what advice would you have for founders who are hiring, whether it's entry level, um, C-suite folks, just really trying to figure out, um, in the interview process, if someone will be a good culture fit. I, I, two things. One, I guess like less in the interview process or more, it's don't sacrifice culture for other things. And so, um, if you, if somebody has like a perfect resume for the role and we all feel pressure as entrepreneurs, when we raise capital, especially we need to feel, we need to put butts in seats. We feel that an incredible amount of pressure to get people working, to start making progress, to do the things you just told all of your investors and stakeholders that you're going to do. That usually takes people and talent and don't give in to that pressure and sacrifice culture on a hire. Um, and so while you're going through your interview process, if it doesn't feel like a good fit, don't hire that person. Um, and, and that's why it's important to define your culture up front. Because if you don't have your culture defined, how are you going to interview for it? And so define your culture up front. And then during the interview process, tell them about it. Like, this is our culture. This is how we work. This is what we do. People that don't fit will opt out themselves. Or you'll quickly, as a hiring uh, manager, get strong, indica strong indications that they're not going to be a strong fit for your organization because of culture. Even if their resume hasn't... Like, they obviously have the ability to do the job. And it's, it's, it's like a non-starter for me. If somebody doesn't fit culturally, it's an absolute non-starter. Yeah, that's great to keep in mind because that process, similar to fundraising, I'm sure is, uh, can feel very pressured if you really need someone to fill a role. But that's great advice to really take your time and make sure someone will be a great fit for the long term, hopefully. Um, similar to that, you know, in our program specifically, and I'm sure you've seen this as well with some of your founders at the early stages, um, as they're building their teams and hiring, that founder is really learning to become a manager at the same time. Um, what advice do you have for founders who may be leading and managing more anyone, I guess, just more people than they're used to being a solo founder or maybe a co-founder, and then now all of a sudden they're taking on this managerial role? What advice would you give to them? Be data driven. So use metrics, set KPIs, um, set goals. Um, make sure everybody in your organization knows what they're working towards. If you don't have goals set and timeframes behind those goals, um, if you don't have a goal set, then people are going to be working to whatever they think they should be working towards. Um, and so it's really to be, it's like, I don't care if you use OKRs, I don't like whatever goal setting mechanism you have, set goals and then track how you're progressing against those goals. And that's the best way to manage, even if you don't know how to manage, numbers don't lie. Um, or if you're intellectually honest anyways, like your numbers won't lie. And so it gives you at least a starting point and a process to manage, to manage people uh, where they'll feel like they know at least what they're working towards. And um, they know how they're performing against that track. Um, so 
there's a lot of nuance of like, how do you set the right goals? How do you set the right KPIs? That stuff, which we don't have time to get into, but set goals. And if you're not good at setting goals, get some advisors or mentors or investors around you that are really good at that and have them help like, hey, this is probably not a good goal. This is probably a good goal. Um, it's actually also great to involve your team in, in that goal setting process. People are far more likely to achieve goals if they feel like they had a hand in setting that goal. If you're handed a goal, you're less likely to feel good about it than if you have the exact same goal than if you helped or you know get to the point where that goal is set. And so involving your team in the goal setting process is is really crucial and important as well to get there by. And, um, you know, I guess like the last thing is like, do what you say, you know, so as a leader, like if you say you're going to do something, make sure you do something, lead by example, um, all that stuff is important as well. But I, I mean, probably my number one like thing, if, if nothing else is set goals, all, you know, communicate well, be open, be honest yourself, be transparent yourself, do all of those things, set ex- the types of examples that you want from your team as well. Yeah. Exactly. Like be, be a real, normal, transparent human. <laughs> so helpful. Um, I guess along those lines, switching to maybe a sillier question right now, what would you say is a blooper you've had in life, either as a founder or an investor? Kind of what is your, what, what is your most embarrassing moment? Most embarrassing moment? I don't know. Like I've, I've made some real mistakes. I've made a lot of mistakes. Um, I mean, I built a toxic culture in one of my startups, which was by far my biggest mistake as a founder. I made I made some bad hires um, that weren't culture fits, and I had um, a couple of people that worked with me for years and years and years had to shove it in my face and say, "This is not this is not okay, Brett. You need to fix it." That's my biggest blooper ever, and like I said, it probably killed one of my companies. Um, it's not really a funny one; it's it's a good learning experience, and it's like a bit of what's driven my, um, yeah, it's a bit of what's driven me to talk about culture a lot. Um, uh, the, uh, as an investor on the investor side, I mean, there's plenty of great companies that I haven't invested in that. Now I look at, I'm like, ah, shit, I missed that one. Should have probably invested in that one. And that's a good message to entrepreneurs too, right? Is just because an investor passes on you doesn't mean that you can't build something great. Every investor has that, you know, what they call their anti-portfolio. Um, which are companies that they could have invested in that they didn't invest in and have gone on to do great things. And we, you know, we talk to so many great companies every year and inevitably we're, we're going to pass on some that end up doing building great things. And so there's some that I'm really, I'm embarrassed. I'm like, I can't believe I didn't invest in that company. That was a huge mistake. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, those are some of the things that I think about more from like a man and oops, oops, um, versus like a big giant blunder. I did give a talk. I gave a talk in uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil once and, and I don't speak Portuguese. And um, I don't know that this actually happened or not, but one of our portfolio companies is from Brazil. And um, I had the founders translate my slide deck into Portuguese for me. But then afterwards, I didn't actually validate that he didn't like put jokes in there. And knowing them, they might have put some jokes in like where, you know, where people laughing at like odd wrong times during that talk that that might have happened. Um, but I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm happily, uh, ha- ha- happily unaware if it did. But um, that was an interesting one. Yeah. That's amazing. I, I personally hope they did because that would be great <laughs> for, I I, for everyone I but you. But yeah, I as long as Easter eggs in there. Throw some Easter eggs in there. <laughs> yeah. Um, what is an app or website or platform you're currently using at the moment that you can't live without or that you 
would like to shout out? An app or platform that I'm currently using that I can't live without. Um, let's see. I mean, we uh, we manage and maintain a lot of our relationships through HubSpot, and HubSpot's been great for like CRM building, and so we've been uh, we're been really happy with that. Um, I mean, the thing I probably can't live without the most. I'm very like I love I use my inbox and I use my inbox as my to do list. Um, and I use my, like, if you email me, I get back to you. Like I have a 24 hour rule. I, I do zero inbox. And so honestly, the thing that probably runs my work life more than anything is my inbox. Um, and so I don't think I can live without my email, um, <laughs> from a, from a, from a business perspective. Um, other than that, I'm not super tied to any of the software platforms we use. Um, there's nothing I'm like, I, you know, I can't, can't live without it. Sure. Yeah, that's a great answer. Can confirm you are very fast at emailing back, which is much appreciated. <laughs> um, all right, pivoting a bit to just a Buffalo follow-up question. So while you were here, we was told you do not love a fancy, fancy dinner. So we got some Buffalo bar food, which included pizza logs and chicken wings. What is your opinion on the famed Buffalo chicken wing? Um, first of all, I just love the name Pizza Log. Um, so I'd like to state that on the record that the name Pizza Log is phenomenal. Um, whether it tastes good or not doesn't matter. It's a Pizza Log. And um, you got to order that when you see that on a menu. Um, on the Buffalo Wings. So here's my take on the Buffalo Wings. Um, this is what I've decided. Because like, you know, I was going there and oh, you got to go to this place or this place. It's the best one. It's the best one. I had actually ended up going to two places because my flight uh, got delayed the second day. And so I had time and I, I popped into another place too, just to grab some quick food. And so I tried Buffalo wings at two places while I was there. So, um, so I can honestly, I, you know, I ha obviously didn't sample everywhere, but here's my take versus other metros. And I'm, I'm a, I love Buffalo wings. I, I love wings in general. Um, and I eat them a lot. Walking away, I think that the difference between Buffalo and their wings and other metros and their wings is that my, my gut is that everywhere in Buffalo does a really good job with wings. And so they're all quite good. Whereas like in Minnesota, we literally have one spot that has good wings and all the other places just don't get it right. They don't have the right sauce. They don't cook them correctly. They're not crispy enough. They don't have blue cheese, like whatever it is. Like there's the ones that, like the other metros I've been to just don't have the breadth uh, or depth of great wing spots where Buffalo, I feel like I could walk into a Starbucks and get, get great Buffalo wings, you know, they like just everywhere you go there is going to have a really, really solid good wing. So that's my, that's my um, observation. Okay. And do, do you have any food near you that is your kind of go-to food when folks visit? Oh, uh, I mean, like, I think the Minnesota, Minnesota is known the two foods in Minnesota. When I moved here, I'm not from here. I grew up in Florida. Um, but when we moved here, we we're trying to figure out what is Minnesota known for. And, and the two things that Minnesota claims are one is called hot dish, um, which is essentially casserole. Um, so it's like hot casseroles, um, which is fine. Um, doesn't really excite me. The more exciting one is the Juicy Lucy. So Minnesota also claims the Juicy Lucy and is famous for a Juicy Lucy, which is a cheese stuffed burger. So it's a burger stuffed with cheese in it. And there's like five places that claim to have the original. I would say that the best, if you come to Minnesota, the best place to get a Juicy Lucy, I think rather undeniably, is a, a place called Matt's Tap. And it's a dive, awesome dive bar that has great Juicy Lucy's. Amazing. That's a great name for, similar to Pizza Log, a Juicy Lucy is 
immediately I'm just intrigued and I'm going to want to order that. <laughs> yeah. The other great thing, which you guys probably have there, maybe you don't, um, but we're in Dairyland here and fried cheese curds are amazing. And they're amazing here. Like the fries, fried cheese curds at the state Minnesota State Fair are, the Minnesota State Fair is its own thing in general, but the, the fried cheese curds are amazing. That's great. Going to have to plan the trip just around those foods, I think. <laughs> um, so before we let you go, just would love to hear if there's anything that we or and our listeners can do to help you at the moment and then where we can find you, Twitter, website, et cetera. Yeah, you can um, you can check out our website, breadandbutterventures.com. Um, we actually, all of us, everybody at Bread and Butter Ventures does open office hours every Friday. So anybody from anywhere in the world can grab time with myself, Mary, um, or Steph. And, um, and we do, do them every Friday. So please feel free to do that if you ever want to talk to us. Um, there's links to sign up for those. Um, I'm on Twitter is probably where I'm most active in the social Twitter and LinkedIn. If you want to follow me on Twitter or LinkedIn, it's just prep roll uh, with both of those. Um, so those are where I'm probably most follow, uh, uh, most active. I also do have a YouTube channel where I do um, a bunch of really short clips uh, for entrepreneurs where they're like usually two to four minute videos that walk through a best entrepreneurial best practice. So it's we try to make them act super actionable. Here's one thing you can do to be a better entrepreneur. And so um, if you're interested in more tips or advice, check out the, um, the YouTube channel as well. It's called Brett's Brain. <laughs> Love the alliteration. All right. Well, thank you so much again, Brett, for joining us. Um, it was great to have you. And we look forward to either seeing you in Minnesota or having you back to Buffalo soon. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. 